Heart of the World by H. Ryder Haggard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter 9 The Duel. Now we placed our ears against the paneling and listened. First we heard the creaks that were loud in the stillness, then soft heavy noises such as are made by a cat when it jumps from a height to the ground, and a gentle rubbing as of stockinged feet upon the floor. After this for some seconds came silence that presently was broken by the clink of steel and the sound of heavy blows delivered upon a soft substance with swords and knives. The murderers were driving their weapons through the bedclothes, thinking that we slept beneath them. Next we heard whisperings and muttered oaths. Then a voice, Don Jose's, said, Be careful. The beds are empty. Another instant and candles were lit, for their light reached us through small peepholes in the panel, and by putting our eyes to these we could see what passed in the room. There before us we beheld Don Jose, Don Smith, and four of their companions, all armed with knives or machetes, while framed, as it were, in the wall, in the place that had been occupied by the picture of the abbot, stood our host, Don Pedro, holding a candle above his head, and glaring with his fish-like eyes into every corner of the room. "'Where are they?' he said. Where are the wizards? Find them quick and kill them. Now the men ran to and fro about the chamber, dragging aside the beds and staring at the pictures on the wall as though they expected to see us there. They are gone, said Jose at length. That Indian Ignacio has conjured them away. He is a demonio and not a man. I thought it from the first. Impossible! cried Don Pedro, who was white with rage and fear. The door has been watched ever since they entered it, and no living thing could force those bars. Search, search! They must be hidden. Search yourself, answered Don Smith sullenly. They're not here. Perhaps they discovered the trick of the picture and escaped down the passage to the chapel. It cannot be, said Don Pedro again. "'for just now I was in the chapel and saw no signs of them. "'We have some traitor among us who has led them from the house. "'By heaven, if I find him out!' "'And he uttered a fearful oath. "'Shall we bring the dogs?' asked Jose, "'and I trembled at his words. "'They might smell their footing. "'Fool, what is the use of dogs in a place "'where all of you have been tramping?' "'answered the father.' Tomorrow at dawn we will try them outside, for these men must be found and killed, or we are ruined. Already the authorities suspect, suspect us because of the disappearance of the two Americanos, and they will send soldiers from Veracruz to shoot us down, for without a doubt this Inglés is rich and powerful. It is certain that they are not here, but perhaps... They are hidden elsewhere in the building. Come, let us search the passages and the roof. 
and he vanished into the wall, followed by the others, leaving the chamber as dark and silent as it had been before their coming. For a while the danger had passed, and we pressed each other's hands in gratitude, for to speak or even to whisper we did not dare. Ten minutes or more went by when once again we heard sounds, and a light appeared in the room, borne in the hand of Don Pedro, who was accompanied by his son Don Jose. "'They have vanished,' said the old man. "'The devil their master knows how. "'Well, tomorrow we must hunt them out if possible. "'Till then nothing can be done. "'You were a fool to bring them here, Jose. "'Have I not told you that no money should tempt me "'to have more to do with the death of a white man?' "'I did it for revenge, not money,' answered Jose. "'A nice revenge,' said his father. "'A revenge that is likely to cost us all our lives, even in this country. "'I tell you that, if they are not found tomorrow and silenced, "'I shall leave this place and travel into the interior, where no law can follow us, "'for I do not wish to be shot down like a dog.' "'Listen, Jose.' Bid those rascals to give up the search and go to bed. It is useless. Then do you come quietly to my room, and we will visit the Indian and his daughter. If we are to screw their secret out of them, it must be done tonight. For, like a fool, I told that Englishman the story when the wine was in me, thinking that he would never live to repeat it. Yes, yes, it must be tonight, for tomorrow we may have to fly. But... "'What if the brutes won't speak, father?' "'We will find means to make them,' answered the old man with a hideous chuckle. "'But whether they speak or not, they must be silenced afterwards.' And he drew his hand across his throat, adding, "'Come.' An hour passed while we stood in the hole, trembling with excitement, hope, and fear, and then once more we heard footfalls, followed presently by the sound of a voice whispering on the farther side of the panel. "'Are you there, Lord?' the whisper said. "'It is I, Louisa.' "'Yes,' I answered. Now she touched the spring and opened the panel. "'Listen,' she said. "'They have gone to sleep, all of them, but before dawn they will be up again to search for you far and wide. Therefore you must do one of two things. Lie hid here perhaps for days, or take your chance of escape at once.' "'How can we escape?' I asked. "'There is but one way, Lord, through the chapel. "'The door into it is locked, "'but I can show you a place from which the priest used to watch those below, "'and thence, if you are brave, you can drop to the ground beneath, "'for the height is not great. "'Once there you can escape into the garden through the window over the altar, "'which is broken, as I have seen from without, though, to do so, perhaps you will have to climb upon each other's shoulders. Then you must fly as swiftly as you can by the light of the moon, which has risen. The dogs have been gorged and tied up, so if the heart is your friend, you may yet go unharmed. Now I spoke to the Signor, saying, Although the woman does not know it, I think it is likely that we shall find company in this chapel, seeing that the Indian and his daughter are imprisoned there, where Don Pedro and José had gone to visit them. 
the risk is great. Shall we take it? Yes, answered the Signor after a moment's thought, for it is better to take a risk than to perish by inches in this hole of starvation, or perhaps to be discovered and murdered in cold blood. Also we have travelled far and undergone much to find this Indian, and if we lose our chance of doing so, we may get no other. What do you say, Molas? I asked. I say that the words of the Señor are wise, also that it matters little to me what we do, since, whether I turn to left or right, death waits for me on my path. Now one by one we climbed through the false panel, and by the light of the moon Louisa led us across the chamber to the spot between the beds where hangs the picture of the abbot, which picture that is painted on a slab of wood proved to be only a cunningly designed door constructed to swing upon a pivot. Placing her knee on the threshold of the secret door, Louisa scrambled into the passage beyond. When the rest of us stood by her side, she closed the panel, and bidding us cling to one another and be silent, she took me by the hand and guided us through some passages, till at length she whispered, Be cautious now, for we come to the place whence you must drop into the chapel, and there is a stairway to your right. We passed the stairway and turned a corner, Louisa still leading. Next instant she staggered back into my arms, murmuring, Mother of Heaven, the ghosts, the ghosts! Indeed, had I not held her, she would have fled. Still grasping her hand, I pushed forward to find myself standing in a small recess, the one I showed you, Signor Jones, that was placed about ten feet above the floor of the chapel, and, like other places in this house, so arranged that the abbot or monk in authority, without being seen himself, could see and hear all that passed beneath him. One thing I am sure, that during all the generations that are gone, no monk watching here ever saw a stranger sight than that which met my eyes. The chancel of the chapel was lit up by shafts of brilliant moonlight that poured through the broken window, and by a lamp which stood upon the stone altar. Within the circle of strong light thrown by this lamp were four people, namely Don Pedro and his son Don Jose, an old Indian, and a girl. On either side of the altar, then, as now rose two carven pillars, of sapote wood, the tops of which were fashioned into the figures of angels, and to these columns the old Indian and the woman were tied, one to each column, their hands being joined together at the back of the pillars, in such a manner as to render them absolutely helpless. My eyes rested first upon the woman who was nearest to me, and seeing her, even as she was then, dishevelled, worn with pain and hunger, her proud face, distorted by agony of mind and impotent rage, I no longer wondered that both Molas and Don Pedro had raved about her beauty. She was an Indian, but such an Indian as I had never known before, for in colour she was almost white, and her dark and waving hair hung in masses to her knees. Her face was oval and small-featured, and in it shone a pair of wonderful dark blue eyes, 
while the clinging white robe she wore revealed the loveliness of her tall and delicate shape. Bad as the girl's plight, that that of the old man her father, who was none other than Zebalbay, we had come to seek, seemed even worse. As Molas had described him, he was thin and very tall, with white hair and beard, wild and hawk-like eyes and aquiline features, nor had Don Pedro spoken more than the truth when he said that he looked like a king. His robe had been torn from him, leaving him half-naked, and on his forehead, breast, and arms were blood and bruises, which clearly had been caused by a riding-whip that lay broken at his feet. It was not difficult to guess who had broken it, for in front of the old man, breathing heavily and wiping the perspiration from his brow, stood Don Jose. "'This mule won't stir,' he said to his father in Spanish. "'Ask the girl. It must wake her up to see the old man knocked about.' Then Don Pedro slipped off the altar-rail, upon which she had been seated, and advancing to the woman, he peered at her with his leaden eyes. "'My dear,' he said to her in the Mayan language, "'this sight must grieve you. Put an end to it, then, by telling us of that place where so much gold is hidden.' "'As with my last breath, daughter,' broke in Zibalbe, I command you to say nothing, no, not if you see them murder me by inches before your eyes. Silence, you dog, said Don Jose, striking him across the lips with his hand. Oh, that I were free to avenge you, gasped the girl as she strained and tore at the ropes which held her. Don't be in a hurry, my love, sneered Don Jose. "'Wait a while, and you will have yourself to avenge as well as your father. "'If he won't speak, I think we can find a way to make you talk. "'Only I do not want to be rough with you unless I am forced to. "'You are too pretty, much too pretty.' "'The girl shivered, gasping with fear and hate, and was silent.' "'What shall we try him with now?' he went on, addressing Don Pedro. "'Hot steel or cold? Make up your mind, for I'm growing tired. "'Well, if you won't, just hand me that machete, will you? "'Now, friend,' he said, addressing the Indian, "'for the last time I ask you to tell us "'where is that temple full of gold of which you spoke to your daughter "'in my father's hearing?' "'There is no such place, white man,' he answered sullenly. "'Indeed, friend, then will you explain where you found those little ingots "'which we captured from the Indian who had been visiting you, "'and whence came this machete?' "'And he pointed to the weapon in his hand. "'It was a sword of great beauty, as I could see, even from where we stood, "'made not of steel.' but of hardened copper, and having for a handle a female figure with outstretched arms fashioned in solid gold. The machete was given to me by a friend, said the Indian. 
I do not know where he got it. Really, answered Jose with a brutal laugh. Perhaps you will remember presently. Here, father, warm the point of the machete in the lamp, will you? Will I tell our guests how we are going to serve him and his daughter? Don Pedro nodded, and taking the sword, he held the tip of it over the flame, while Jose's bending forward whispered into the Indian's ear, pointing from time to time to the girl, who, overcome with faintness or horror, had sunk to the ground where she was huddled in a heap, half hidden by the masses of her hair. "'Are you white men devils?' said the old man at length, with a groan that seemed to burst from the bottom of his heart. "'And is there no law or justice among you?' "'Not at all, friend,' answered Jose. "'We are good fellows enough, but times are hard, and we must live. As for the rest, we don't trouble over much about law in these parts.' and I never heard that unbaptized Indian dogs have any right to justice. Now once more, will you guide us to the place whence that gold came, leaving your daughter here as hostage for our safety? Never, cried the Indian. Better that we too should perish a hundred times than that the ancient secrets of my people should pass to such as you. So you have secrets after all. Father, is the sword hot? asked Jose. One minute more, son, said the old man quietly, turning the point in the flame. This was the scene that we witnessed, and these were the words that astonished our ears. "'It is time to interfere,' muttered the Signor, and placing his hand upon the rail, he prepared to drop into the church. Now a thought struck me, and I drew him back to the passage. "'Perhaps the door is opened,' I said. "'Are you going in there?' asked the girl, Louisa. "'Certainly,' I replied. "'We must rescue these people or die with them.' Then, senors, farewell. I have done all I can for you, and now the saints must be your guide, for if I am seen they will kill me, and I have a child for whose sake I desire to live. Again, farewell. And she glided away like a shadow. We crept forward down the stair. At the foot of it was a little door which, as we had hoped, stood ajar. For a moment we consulted together, and then we crawled on through the gloom towards the ring of light about the altar. Now Jose had the heated sword in his hand. "'Look up, my dear, look up,' he said to the girl, patting her on the cheek. "'I am about to baptize your excellent father according to the rites of the Christian religion by marking him with a cross upon the forehead.' and he advanced the glowing point of the sword towards the Indian's face. At that instant Molas pinned him from behind, causing him to drop the weapon, while I did the same office by Don Pedro, holding him so that, struggle as he might, he could not stir. "'Make a sound either of you, and you are dead,' said the Signor, picking up the machete and placing its hot point against Jose's breast, where it slowly burnt its way through his clothes." "'What are we to do with these men?' he asked. 
kill them as they would have killed us answered molas or if you fear the task cut loose the old man yonder and let him avenge his own and his daughter's wrongs what say you ignatio i seek no man's blood but for our own safety it is well that these wretches should die away with them now don pedro began to bleat inarticulately in his terror and that hero jose burst into tears and pleaded for his life writhing with pain the while for the point of the sword scorched him you're an english gentleman he groaned you cannot butcher a helpless man as though he were an ox as you tried to butcher us in the chamber yonder us who saved your life answered the seigneur still you are right i cannot do it because as you say i am a gentleman molas loose this dog and if he tries to run put your knife through him jose moreno you have a sword by your side and i hold one in my hand i will not murder you but we have a quarrel and we will settle it here and now you are mad senor i said to risk your life thus i myself will kill him rather than it should be so will you fight if i loosen you jose moreno he asked making me to no answer or will you be killed where you stand i will fight he replied good let him free molas and be ready f with your knife i command you i began but already the man was loose and the seigneur stood waiting for him his back to the door and grasping the indian machete handled with the golden woman now jose glanced round as though he sought a means of escape but there was none for in front there was a machete and behind there was a knife of molosk for some seconds ten perhaps they stood facing each other in the ring of the lamplight whilst the moonbeams played faintly about their heads we watched in utter silence the indian girl shaking the long hair from her face and leaning forward as far as her bounds would allow that she might see the battle to the death between him who had insulted and tormented her and the noble-looking white man who had appeared out of the gloom to bring her deliverance it was a strange scene for the contrast of light and darkness or of good and evil is not greater than was that of these two men and what made it stranger were the place and hour behind them was the half-lit emptiness of the deserted chapel before them stood the holy crucifix and the desecrated altar of god and beneath their feet lay the stones of the forgotten dead whose spirits mayhap were watching them from the shadows as earnestly as did our living eyes yes that midnight scene of death and vengeance enacted in the house of peace was very strange and even now it thrills my blood to think of it from the moment that i saw them fronting each other my fears for the issue vanished victory was written on the calm features of the seigneur and more especially in his large blue eyes that of a sudden had grown stern as those of an of an avenging angel while the face of jose told only of baffled fury struggling with bottomless despair he was about to die and the terror of approaching death unnerved him 
Still, it was he who struck the first, for, stepping forward, he aimed a desperate blow at the Senora's head, who, springing aside, avoided it, and, in return, ran him through the left arm. With a cry of pain, the Mexican sprang back, followed by the Senora, at whom he cut from time to time, but without result, for every blow was parried. Now... They were within the altar rails, and now his back was against one of the carved pillars of sapote wood, that to which the girl was tied. Further he could not fly, but stayed there, laying about him wildly, so that the woman at the other side of the pillar crouched upon the ground to avoid the sweep of his sword. Then the end came, for the seigneur, who was waiting his chance, drew suddenly within reach, only a step back, so that the furious blow aimed at his head struck with a ringing sound upon the marble floor, where the mark of it may yet be seen, before Don Jose, whose arm was numbed by the shock, could lift the sword again, the Signor ran in, and for the second time thrust with all his strength, but now the aim was truer, for his machete pierced the Mexican through the heart, so that he fell down and died there upon the altar step. Now I must tell you of my own folly that went near to bringing us all to death. You will remember that I was holding Don Pedro, and how it came about I know not, but in my joy and agitation I slacked my grip so that with a sudden twist he was able to tear himself from my hands, and in a twinkling of an eye was gone. I bounded after him, but too late, for as I reached the door it was slammed in my face, nor could I open it, for on the chapel side was neither key nor handle. Fly! I cried, rushing back to the altar. He has escaped and will presently be here with the rest. The Signor had seen and was already engaged in severing with his sword the rope that bound the girl while Molas cut, the, cut loose the father. Now I leapt upon the altar. May the sacrilege be forgiven to my need, and springing at the stonework of the broken window, I made shift to pull myself up with the help of Molas, pushing from below, seated upon the window ledge, I leaned down and catching the Indian Zebalbe by the wrist, for he was too stiff to leap, with great efforts I dragged him to me, and bade him drop without fear to the ground, which was not more than ten feet below us. Next came his daughter, then the seigneur, and last of all, Molas, so that within three minutes from the escape of Don Pedro, we stood unhurt outside the chapel among the bushes of the garden. Where to now, I asked, for the place was strange to me. The girl, Maya, looked round her, then she glanced up at the heavens. Follow me, she said, I know a way and started down the garden at a run. Presently we came to a wall the height of a man, beyond which was a thick hedge of aloes. Over the wall we climbed, and through the aloes we burst a path, not without doing ourselves some hurt, from the thorns were sharp, to find ourselves in a millpah or cornfield. Here the girl stopped, again searching the stars, and at that moment we heard the sounds of shouting, and looking back saw lights moving to and fro in the hacienda. We must go forward or perish, I said. Don Pedro has aroused his men. Then she dashed into the millpah, and we followed her. There was no path, 
and the cornstalks that stood high above us caught our feet and shook the dew in showers upon our heads till our clothes were filled with water like a sponge still we struggled on one following the other for fifteen minutes or more till at length we were clear of the cultivated land and standing on the borders of the forest halt i said where do we run to the road lies to the right and by following it we may reach a town to be arrested as murderers broke in the senor you forget that jose moreno is dead at my hands and his father will swear our lives away or that at the best we shall be thrown into prison no no we must hide in the bush sirs said the old indian speaking for the first time i know a secret place in the forest an ancient and ruined building where we may take refuge for a while if we can reach it but first i ask who are you you should know me zibalbe said molask seeing that i am a messenger whom you sent to search for him that you desire to find the lord and keeper of the heart and he pointed to me are you that man asked the indian i am i answered and i have suffered much to find you but now is no time to talk guide us to this hiding-place of yours for our danger is great then once more the girl took the lead and we plunged forward into the forest often stumbling and falling in the darkness till the dawn broke in the east and the shoutings of our pursuers died away End of chapter nine